<laughs> You're here to crack me. <laughs> if you don't cry, it, well, I haven't done my job. Okay, I was going to cry. Welcome to Process. Uh, today we're going to be talking to Babak Ganji. Hello. So I say, Process is essentially about comics and how they're created. But I like to take it a bit more general than that. I think rather than sort of going through a piece of work page by page, I like to sort of look at people's work as a whole and just okay. sort of see the patterns that emerge. And I think you're very interesting in terms of that. Because you do so many sort of things that are so sort of different but have underlying patterns to them. Do you, would you agree with that? Do you think there is a, an underlying pattern to your work? I think so, but I only worked that out once it's done. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah, well, like, I think that's no... the best way to... If you went into it with the aim of trying to reinforce an idea, I think... Yeah. I think what comes out of it is that you do these things that are very sort of, as I say, diverse, many different media and yeah. different ideas, but underlying as a lot of person. So I think if we talk about a few of those things, I don't know if anyone in the crowd is aware of uh, Babak's work, but it's a remarkable uh, range of things. I mean, I got to know you initially as a comic creator because yeah. of my work. But obviously, for you personally, music, I suppose, would have been your first sort of endeavour? Well, I mean, I went to St. Martin's and graduated like, like 15 years ago now with the intention of sort of starting a band because I thought that's what happens at art school. <laughs> it didn't. It, that happened like five years later. So I started as a, in fine art and then ended up in music and then ended up writing a comic book, Hilarious Consequences. And then sort of just now, who knows what it is now? Sort of like <laughs> a bit of everything. It's all just sort of falling into it's, it. But it all is building into one body of work. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So in terms of the music, um, what was the first band that you were in? Sort of the, the first band that you would think sort of played gigs and... Oh, it was like it literally was the first band. Right, there. right. A band called Absentee. We did all right. We were on Memphis Industries and did like two and a half albums. It started badly because the first EP got a really good review in the enemy and then got pulled because I shouldn't probably go into it basically <laughs> is there legal ramifications don't yeah, get sued but it was not worth getting sued we were going to sell like 50 copies but it did end up in number tw- at number 26 in the enemy's albums of the year but right. it never really and it wasn't even an album it was half an album <laughs> but but um yeah so it was a bad start but we did okay we did some played all the good venues and toured with lots of good bands played with the silver jews went on a ill-timed tour of Europe like three days before a record was ever going to come out so nobody knew who we were like played <laughs> to two people in Munich it was fun though <coughs> yeah yeah you get to see Munich uh-huh you get to see Munich for about six hours yeah <laughs> so yeah it all started free music and so all my even when I started doing comics I think I was sort of introducing comics to people that don't normally buy comics like I don't really know the comics well the first time I did one of these sort of fairs I was like oh I'm out of my depth because <laughs> I, I, I thought I'd found my place. Right, right. But I realised it already exists, and I've been really arrogant. <laughs> <laughs> this, this, this whole world is already there. You were getting was, ready to build this scene. I showed up. Like, but the scene was there. Yeah, I had my one book, no other pictures, just showed up. Was that oh. Hilarious Consequences? Mm. And there's a sort of bridge there between the music and comics, isn't there? Because uh, Hilarious Consequences, did you want to tell people what the actual the format of that was? What, what sort of content it was? What book format? <laughs> <laughs> no, but in terms of uh, the strips, what they were about and... Well, I think it was very much... Like, at the time, I was kind of trying to save... I, well, I say it now, that like it wasn't, because it's gonna, you'll hear this, but <laughs> it was basically, like, it was, I was in a long-term relationship, and it was sort of going... It was going sort of wrong. And at the time, we were still living together, we had a kid, but it was kind of like a book that sort of documented, in a way, what was going on 
with that and trying to make a laugh. So I'd do like a page a day, and it worked and sensed it. It made a laugh, but we did break up. Right. So, but um, but it was also biographical. Yeah. And... So at the time I was working at the Old Blue Laugh, so I was still like with knew a lot of bands there. Sort of documented being the old guy at the pub, uh, um, and sort of got a lot of the artists and friends to do a CD. And I bought some books with me, which still have the CD with them because I pressed like a hundred, I think, of them, like quite arrogantly treating the book like it was a film and having a soundtrack. Thought that would be quite funny, so I tried to incorporate the music into the work, but not like you didn't have to listen to it and read it. Right, I never right. timed it to even know if that would work. Because <laughs> it's only like six panels a page. I think you could read it in probably like 12 minutes. And obviously people's reading speeds are not necessarily going to correspond to what the, the song's about. But it's an ca- attempt to sort of capture the tone of the piece. Yeah. Like in the company. And, um, I like to try and find musicians to, to sort of work with. Like basically it's sort of like, I haven't played the guitar for like a year. And we might be just trying to reclaim some youth but I, I miss it I don't do it as much I don't really have the time for it I lose money other ways now <laughs> the great so, thing about the arts is there's so many ways to lose money it's brilliant <laughs> and I'm trying to tick each one off <laughs> so in terms of uh, the music on that CD at that point well, would, would any of your bands have been on there? I think there was yes we're paint we're on paint there. Money, yeah. yeah and uh, was that the band after Absentee? yeah yeah there is a, a sort of story related to that in terms of the sort of secret origin of Block Party. In, in what? Well, I in, mean, in, in one particular way, of course, and that, then that ties into State Night as well, doesn't it? A little bit. A little bit. I mean, I, I can't. I, like ten years ago, I could sort of like when they signed, I could take a bit of credit. Like now, I feel like I can't keep dragging up. Oh, <laughs> I introduced the drummer and the, the singer to, together, so. Technically, I I helped form that. And but who did you know first? That's what I wanted to ask. Just I went to school with Matt, the drummer. Right. We did A levels and had a band rehearsed in his mum's living room, and then we went to college. And he was an amazing drummer. And it's hard to find a good drummer. And so while I was in London at art school, I never like he'd come back from Norwich. He was in philosophy. He didn't think he'd get any girls as a drummer. So he wanted to play guitar, but he was also left-handed, so that's just annoying. So I didn't ever look. I, I, I pretended I was looking, but I'd never look for a drummer because I thought, oh, he's going to play the drums. But he never really wanted to. And then my friend, like, I was working at the Curzon Soho, where Kelly worked, and they were going in and out of drummers, and he was getting, Matt was getting bored, and then I was like, why don't you just rehearse with these guys because they need someone for a gig. And then I went to that gig, and it's like, you just knew... It was going to work. It's just, yeah, because I'd seen them with three other drummers, and it's like, and it did, like, six months later, they were in the top ten, and it was just like... <laughs> <laughs> but it's good. I've been very supportive the whole time, and they let me play their shows. And yeah, but, yeah. But at the time, it was a bit like, oh, I told you you'd get girls as a drummer. Because, <laughs> <laughs> of course, Kelly then ends up, you, you, you sort of form or join up with Records, Records, Records as a label yeah. for the, the comics. And you, uh, Steak Night starts, which is an anthology project, which is up to four issues now. Yeah, And Kelly points. ends up in the first issue, doesn't he? Yeah, because the first one I kind of did myself before before the other guys at Records Records got involved. So I knew that he wrote a lot, and so I asked him to do something and tried to find artists to sort of illustrate the... We didn't really, I didn't really know what Steak Night was going to be at the time. Still don't really. <laughs> <laughs> it is an anthology, but it, the initial one was for me and my friend Antoine, whose comics are like doing really well now, 
just to force us to do a regular like if we it was like if we both do like eight pages every few months and put it together at least we're both getting our projects finished because when you're doing it as a side line it's quite like I mean I've written and deleted like hey I, I get to about four pages in and get bored I don't basically if I don't work if I don't start a project and finish it it doesn't really it needs to have complete momentum yeah, all over it. if there's any sort of inertia or drag yeah. you just lose the energy that's why all the projects now seem to be sort of like quite pointless but they, I, I, I'll stick them out to the end because <laughs> it, it has to once it started it has to like the Jeremy Clarkson thing it, like I thought it would take three days but I had to I had to take um had to get it done. It took three months. Well, two months. Well, it's interesting as well. It does seem like you have uh, a series of projects that are very open-ended in terms of uh, what they can be. And we'll, we'll, we'll get on to that. In terms of State Night, as you say, the first couple of issues were a general anthology. I, I'm guessing it was just you finding... Was it, was it a case of you finding people, the searching people out? The first very much people I know. Right. And we were all quite lazy and all getting too drunk. And it was like, if we all just get this like the, my friend Alex who wrote who's done some work with Anton as well as a writer he, he was the pizza chef at the Haggerston so like, well, basically people I knew from the old blue last who were all trying to do things but I haven't got an avenue and it's like well we can just put it all together and it bulks up the pages and then it looks <laughs> like a thing um, and then it's sort of like branched out a bit and now we have some people that contribute from America and I've sort of like I got quite busy so Ollie's taken over sort of editing a few issues and we thought well we'll see what just nice to collaborate with as many people as we can get. Yeah, there's a great energy to working on anthologies, isn't there? Where yeah. It's not. It's a case of there's a lot of the pressures taken off in terms of you don't have to complete all these forty odd pages yourself. Yeah. And also, I think as a piece, they're always very exciting. It's a thing where you're not necessarily going to like everything in there, but there's always going to be something that's going to you know tickle you or give, yeah. give you a little hook. And it's nice because like I think I've got quite a lin- sometimes quite a linear. It's like I need to be given stuff to see. Like otherwise, if I go looking, I sort of end up like looking at like the one thing. Yeah, yeah. One style of work. I find comics quite strange in the sense that they have to be visually appealing, and um, like it's like an insecurity in my own work because I, I'm not the greatest draftsman. But like I think it was Jeffrey Brown's first that clumsy book that introduced me back to the idea of doing comics because it was like that thing where you're looking oh shit I could do this because it's literally like it's a doodle and literally that's what I did and like made reference to it at the end because I thought everyone's going to just look at this and go oh it's Jeffrey Brown but <laughs> it's also what's attractive as well because as I say the great thing for me about comics is there's such a, uh, a wide range of visual styles within it that yeah. can work I mean from uh, you know, the webcomic uh, XKCD, which is literally Stickmen. Mm. And then another webcomic, Dinosaur uh, Comics, the Ryan North one, where yeah. he uses clip art and get your war on the old... Uh, where the, it's the same pictures over and over and they just change the words. So you can sort of get around the visual thing. But then obviously, across the spectrum, there is beautifully intricate, wonderful stuff. So it is a case of, you know, it's also what works for the piece, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I kind of know what... If I if I try and like hilarious consequences basically drawn for Uniball pen and then since then I've done stuff like commissions and things and they're using sometimes when they're using I think it looks alright but it doesn't look great I'm probably better off just looking a bit shit because then I'm <laughs> uncomfortable with that in a but way. It's also, that makes sense. But it's, it's like, also hilarious consequences like as, as the title implies. It's 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 this comedy, isn't it? It's cartooning rather yeah. than so if it was photorealistic. It's true. You know, incredibly detailed cross action. It kills the. I, I, I would imagine would kill. 
the sort of the feel of the strip. It would it be does. very I mean, incongruous. I guess that's the way it works. Though it's like it happens in the moment. It has to, and it, and also then it's finished. Yeah, it's like the idea is finished. Any time it's like mapped out, it's like the idea. It's like oh, I could do better than that. Well, by the time I've sort of. But done the thing is, I think your line does. It has an energy to it where mm. it is. It's not you know you're using like set squares and you know you're worrying about perspective <laughs> but do you know what I mean I think there's a, there's an energy in yeah. just drawing something that matches the, the tone of the piece which is what I think you do very well thanks <laughs> you see the new stuff with the rulers it's not it's not it's not going that well no rulers this is no, what we learned I think I've got a light pad now I feel like I have to use it so like, what am I going to use it for <laughs> just tracing your own cartoons over and over yeah Basically, I got photocopiers for that. He's the most exact cartoons I've ever seen. Uh, yeah, it's like new printing. It's literally just do them all by hand. But I guess I can do that. The last couple of issues of State Night have been themed. Yeah. Was that a decision that you made, or was collectively made by the people involved? Or, as you said, you've got a friend who's who's taken over more editorially. Was that well, something that? Yeah, I mean, he's been decided. It's like nice because he's sort of like he's been getting involved with like basically quality control, deciding what goes in and out so I don't have to do because everything would go in because I'm useless <laughs> um, saying, saying no, no. Yeah. Uh, but yeah I sort of thought it might make it easier to have a theme just to get because some people just need direction it's like we, we were just going oh we like your work you need to give us something they just wouldn't know what to do so it seemed like an easier way of getting things across so there was a job theme and yeah because the second issue wasn't themed, it was just it was a bit of a mishmash. It was just right, like right. let's let's just keep the momentum going. But again, creatively, I think saying to people, you know, there, there's value in saying do whatever you want to do, however long it needs to be, however short it needs to be, whatever style you want, whatever story you want. Yeah. But I think there's also value in saying you've got four pages, mm. and it has to be related to this because yeah. suddenly it just focuses the mind completely, doesn't it? Yeah, and it speeds things up, and it means people might work to a deadline. Because that's the <laughs> they hardest won't. bit. They no, but... they, they never do. And the last, <laughs> the, this last issue, I think, is embarrassingly like some people, like Stephen Collins, put some work in months ago, maybe six months ago. But then we've been waiting for other people, and then right. just because we can't, we're not very firm. And then suddenly it's like, well, maybe Stephen's not going to want to put that in anymore because I think, I think it's extracts from his new book, and it's like, well, I don't want it. Right. And that's the thing, isn't it? It's an odd thing you can get working, particular, uh, uh, I don't know if it's related particularly to, to comics, but you can have someone like Stephen Collins who's got a publishing deal with Jonathan Cape mm. and a regular gig for The Guardian, mm. but he'll get you the stuff first. And it's, yeah. the, it's the other people who are like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm definitely up for this. I can definitely get you four pages. Well, he's a professional. That's I guess that's the thing, yeah, he has time set aside. <laughs> yeah. But it does seem uh, odd that he's going, yeah, I can do the stuff for Cape and the stuff for The Guardian and get you the four pages for uh, State yeah. as well. Yeah, thanks, Stephen. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Talking about style as well, your most recent publication, Roadhouse. Do you want to just give a, an outline as to uh, what the scope of that piece is? Well, what is the scope? I, I, I decided, <laughs> like, I don't know why at the time. It was, you it was like, thing, I'm always hungover when these <laughs> things happen. So, but um, I've been renting a studio with, with and, and the guys opposite me, they're like illustrators. And I'm um, constantly staring at computer screens and what, what I thought was working, but it turns out that watching TV a lot of the time and just doing stuff, but there's a TV on, but everyone's on headphones, so you right, don't right. know. So just feeling insecure, I thought, oh, I've got to keep looking busy, because I'd run into the studio, but I didn't really have anything to do. It's just time to work in a space that isn't my house. So I had Roadhouse on on Netflix, and I f- and just thought I'd start drawing it as um, just as practice, just drawing as it goes and then 
I thought, well, if I do like seven or eight of these drawings, that's kind of hipster shit. But if I do the whole film, <laughs> that's that's mental. And it's an almost impossible that's, project. That's like a crazy man's piece of work. And, and <laughs> so, and then if I pu- if I publish it as a hardbound book, that's um completely te- ridiculous. Yeah, and I mean, it may not be over. I've been, you know, I've got a iPad now. It's like there's, there's, I can copy it and. <laughs> And restitch it. I don't know, but it's like. And there's other Patrick Swayze films. I mean. Well, the idea. I mean, yeah, it's true, but I mean, we'll stick, stick with Rose Hatton stick now, until it, it's completed its course. It's like it was designed so that each individual drawing. I mean, it's not a comic. It's an illustrated yeah. book, but so each page would just sort of operate on its own. Like if it was in a gallery, it'd just be a, a drawing. It'd just be an odd drawing. But then somehow, I think as a book, it hopefully it has the sort of weird feel. I think. And it takes the film somewhere else. Yeah. And also, it's, it's like, when I was studying art, like, one of my tutors was Adam Chotsko, which I don't know if people know me, he's still a practising artist, but he'd done this piece of work where, apparently, it's like in the days of VHS, so he'd go to, like, blockbusters, and at the end of the... when the film credits have finished, he'd sort of, like, edit in a bit of footage of him setting off a flare in the forest. <laughs> now, I don't know if this is actually true. Right, right. But that's what he said he's done, but... And um, so the idea being that like you could rent one of these videos and if you fall asleep and get to the end, you might get one of those. Right, right. And I quite like the idea of this book being this thing that in 30 years' time, somebody would be like, what the fuck's that? <laughs> <laughs> it's not a money spinner. Yeah. But it's like, that's, that's what And someone could just stumble upon, uh, upon it and go, was this official merchandise? Yeah, like, did this actually... It worked for Jeffrey Brown and Star Wars. <laughs> 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 just got the film wrong. It should have been Ghost or... It's still um, time. It's still yeah. time. But, um, yeah, I quite like the idea of just making something odd. We're talking of making something odd and recent projects. Mm. Clarkson Blackout, is that what we're calling it? No, it's got yeah. don't, uh, Stop Me, isn't it? The book was called Stop Me because the, there was a Jeremy Clarkson book called Don't Stop Me Now, which has been blacking out. So Stop Me seemed to be the natural... T- it was just there. <laughs> it was like, brilliant. It just made sense. You just take first and last words out. So you got the book as a physical object... Yes. And just, was it a thing by design where you were like, if I do this, or did, did you just casually start blacking no, out like, words? A week before, I think, I thought, oh, I'd quite like to do that. Just, I quite like to do It's like, there's a lot of things already made. It's quite nice to make something good out of something that I think's crap. I mean, I can't drive, so... I, mean, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't no... think that's the dividing line about whether Jeremy Clarkson's good. That's Any drivers in that hate Jeremy Clarkson? <laughs> I've only got a provisional licence, but I'm happy to go on. <laughs> but, um... Again, I was a bit hungover, so that's that, that. It's that sort of bravado hungover where you think, well, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do it to the end. And but How many pages? 300 and...? I think it comes out as about 330 poems out of, yeah, it's like 335 pages. Right. And each page you've transformed into abstract poetry. Yeah. I think my favourite was, I think it's called... Do you know them? Not all of them. <laughs> a couple. I know one, because okay. uh, it, it was the first one... I, you you post them on Facebook, I po- yeah, and I, I saw I this one, on and I was like, this is absolutely a work of genius. Because it's at the top of the page, it's got the chapter heading, and the mm. chapter's called, I think it's, let's just say, Peugeot 305. That sounds familiar. And uh, you, <laughs> what you've done is, you've blacked out every word, apart from your butcher, 
lives in France. Oh, that was the first page. Was it? Oh, there you go. So you, you, I was When you get quality like that That's on the it. first page, it's uh, like, well, this, is, this is going to the that end. That must have given you so much energy and momentum knowing that if you just hit the ground like that, and you, you know, because, uh, and also it's why you captioned it on Facebook where mm. you said, this chapter's called Peugeot 305, but it's actually about a butcher in France. <laughs> and you're like, that, perfect, perfect. Yeah, I mean, some of them became quite profound. Some of them were just sex jokes. Because yes. there's a lot you can get out of car stuff, gears, ships. And... I think Clarkson puts a fair bit of that in as well. He does, I mean, some of them, himself. yeah. And the, the, the Guardian asked me to do some for the end of their sort of alternative end of year review for the G2, and so I had to do, like, some other books. And then I have to give him some credit in the sense that he does give you like, Plenty to work with. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. there was like, I had to do the Zoella book, right. the, that, that vlogger girl, the yeah. ghost-written book, and it's just, all you're doing is actually condensing a pretty bad page into four lines. That right. Just, so you're not changing the meaning, you're not really well, getting anything out there. Of it. Right. It's like, <laughs> there needs to be There needs to be something there that you can play with, and it turns out, doing it, it's like, well, he's quite good at writing. So have we we found a purpose for Jeremy Clarkson? But just like to present prose that can be uh, vandalised something worthwhile. Yeah, if you just <laughs> <laughs> that's his purpose. Well, maybe um, it's like wonder. yeah, because he he was the most fun because I did the, the, some uh, the Russell Brand book and the Lena Dunham book, which is also good. Basically, anyone who has a sort of their, a personality, right, right, preferably slightly annoying, yeah, w- works well. But yeah, like Stephen Fryer had to do, and it's like mm, it's quite it's quite hard. Right, right. Maybe it's because you have to like there, there's a Vendetta against Clarkson, so it's like I, I, I knew what I was trying to do, yeah. but then a, a big but, part of it is we're laughing at Jeremy Clarkson. You've taken something. Well, it's something that I personally like. I find him quite a bit racist and a bit arrogant, and it's quite fun trying to make his work something that I, I like. Yeah, like, and some yeah. words that when, when it when they were genuinely profound, it's like oh, this is quite fun. And yeah, yeah, and it's gone now. I mean, I sold the book. So. Yeah, you sold the book. On eBay, yeah. and that, and how much did it go for in the end? Um, Eighty-five pounds. And how much did you buy it for in the charity? But then, how well, many hours did you put into? Well, two months. <laughs> <laughs> so there's there's an algorithm there where it's kind of working. It's still the best paid thing I've ever done. But, <laughs> but yeah, there's there's. But you've got printed sort of pages appra- to sell. If it was on the Apprentice, technically, I made like a, a huge profit. Yeah, eight hundred fifty percent. But but you're relying on an and episode never, of the Apprentice being two months long, which I don't think the BBC can do. No. It's true, but they also never take into account costs anymore on that show. You notice? I have. Well, <laughs> <laughs> it really bugs me. In, in the he early... clearly does. You sort of shift in the chair like, I can't early... believe how they ruined the apprentice. I'm pretty sure in the early shows, they would, like, they'd go, you spent, you made this much, but you spent this much. Now right, it's right. like, it doesn't matter how much they've spent. It's they just, just about a the pile of money there. That doesn't work. Because if that's how it works, I should be able to pay my rent. Um, talking of selling things on eBay, yeah, that's another outlet that you've turned into something creative what's your ebay seller name oh it's wacky chop yeah isn't it yeah. why is that the name is, yeah. <laughs> so in congress to everything else. because it's, it's it's there from like 2001 or something and heady uh, days isn't it yeah I, don't, I was at the time i was trying to pay rent by drawing sort of basically naked pictures of um, pamela anderson and other celebrities. It's early days of internet. There wasn't that much sort of pornography out, <laughs> so it's like you just get a Playboy and then sort of draw the head. I wasn't very good at drawing, but my um, my friend bought them. 
he's a curator. <laughs> off of eBay. Yeah, off right. eBay. Because he, he, he was in Norway, so it's like, oh, yeah, right. no, he's a curator now. So he, you never know. They could turn up. They could turn up. But so I had this eBay account. Yeah, I kind of wish I changed the name, but I quite like it. Though. I didn't expect it to become. I didn't expect eBay to become big. Well, no, eBay is big, but I didn't expect <laughs> my involvement in eBay to become anything. Yeah, it's it sort of hit the the newspapers a few times, is not it? it? I think is. your most your most infamous one is probably the Twigs still. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to explain to people what you did with the Twigs? Well, yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I mean, I don't know how proud I am of it anymore. I don't know I if I ever was. I think there's a huge source of pride there. Really? Yeah, absolutely. There's so much shit on eBay now. I'm no, but the thing is, well, I'll, I'll explain. You you say what it is, and I'll tell them why it's okay, good. Okay. Well, I live I live. Very fortunately, I have relatively cheap rent for now, living in De Beauvoir in East London, just off Kingsland Road, in like middle of, I don't know, it's getting ridiculous, we're getting priced out. I bought this, um, trying to be slightly more sophisticated than normal, I bought this goat cheese sandwich from the deli. It was horrible. <laughs> it's like, <coughs> and I was eating this in De Beauvoir Square, and then, I don't know why, but the sandwich definitely had a, because I, I was a bit aggrieved I spent £4.50 on something I wasn't enjoying. And um, so I just... So I'm like, I've got a child, he's now seven, but I, it's like there were kids playing there. and It's like twigs become quite... For kids, like, it's amazing, you can buy them at wherever, but when they're in the playground, these sticks become valuable. And, the, you know, they they remember... Which I've got po- I used to have pockets full of sticks. The good um, ones, aren't they? Yeah. And so now I'm really... Good, it turns out I'm really good at picking them. <laughs> and um, so I picked out five and tried to sell them on eBay as like a set of kids toys um, <laughs> and it worked but you made a point well, that they were sourced work. from Devovoir Square and it, ha- it came from a very prestigious postcode so you're yeah. sort of playing into people's ideas of, of quality yeah I tried to give them all identities like the, tried to sell them as like the Spice Girls of Twigs <laughs> yeah so one each was one had, yeah, yeah sort of bullshit yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I measured them I had everything I covered it so that beautifully photographed as well well, it's become quite an iconic photo, I think. <laughs> so I just saw my camera. Just went, I, I did put it on a white sheet of paper so it had a plain background. Um, but, you know, it was just basically a joke. Yeah. I mean, it was a joke. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but then it it sort of spread through a few people on Facebook. And then I went to this gig. And I was getting, while I was at this gig, I was getting, like, eBay questions all through. And <laughs> because everyone's got stupid names, like Wacky Chop on eBay, I just presume I'm talking to friends, but I don't want to... But I don't know, so you don't yeah, know yeah. what to say. It's like when somebody calls you and the number's not. It turned out somebody put it in the metro right. that night. So and that and then so the next morning it's uh, it was kind of like an education when something works, how quickly it can like actually work. You can struggle for years and then you put them stupid sticks on the internet <laughs> and, and like within within like midnight to on one day to like three o'clock in the afternoon you've got like ten thousand views on the sale. Like thirteen hundred people watching the auction, and and people went like the I did an interview for like the Daily Express, and Five Live phoned me up and were like, "Oh, you're the you're the Twig Man." And I, was like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't I, I don't I didn't get on the show because I was just like I don't want to I don't want to be Twig Man. But then as soon as as soon as it fades, I'm like I'm Twig Man. <laughs> <laughs> so once 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 it's gone, one, one, it's like and then you see the other people that have started putting things up and not. So, Selling like Apex, there was the Apex twin dish, like somebody eating right, some yeah, food and yeah, yeah. left the logo in that apparently sold for 300 pounds. And then there was the loom band dress, 
but the 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 similar thing with all of these is that I don't think any any of these actually sold. Right. It's the same with these twigs. Like they didn't actually sell. Oh, you didn't sell them? No. The lady was like, she didn't. These are just twigs. It, it she turned, said. <laughs> it turned into a more interesting like because all right, so it was a joke, but I did go to art school. I never wanted to say. <laughs> I never wanted to say ever while it was happening, oh, art, art student this is an art piece. thing, because yeah, yeah. then it's just instantly off-putting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know how that works. But as soon as the auction went through and it sold for like £67, which is pretty good. It's more than £10 <laughs> a twig, isn't it? That's, you know. Well, when you had like, I mean, the guys in the studio were like, these are going to go for a lot of money because like, you know, 1,300 people are watching. But with all of these things, because I never thought through, A, I put them on at stupid time so that the auction ends at four in the afternoon, which is never a good time to end an auction. Like the Clarkson book was a Friday night. I was just like, <laughs> seven o'clock on a Friday night after two months of like, it's like, but it was, it just became, yeah, like it got all these views it sold to a Hampstead address. I was like, cool, it's a Hampstead address. Hand deliver. Well, no, I didn't want to meet them. I was going to send them in a nice box because I don't want to hand these sticks. Like, It's that weird thing where like, I put them in my house, they were there on the desk, and then I, by Wednesday they were like worth 40 quid. And I was like, oh, I should probably put these somewhere. Because Keep these tweaks safe. This is an interesting thing about us. Oh, like, they were this, now they're worth this. Perceived this. Value and so and if you take these as £67, they're, they're now £67 pound twigs and you can do what you want but they didn't sell they didn't so you could she, argue she, now the value zero she asked she was like please tell me this is a joke and i was like <laughs> well i take jokes seriously that's when they're funny it's like it's, it's like otherwise it is literally just some, a picture of some sticks and it's a waste of everybody's time it's like i got quite like i didn't get into an eye too much of an argument because i'm a bit soft but i didn't give i didn't just drop it you're indignant uh, how you, yeah, you but then she started it. saying that she was abroad and she had uh-huh. her parents were ill, and I was really stressing <laughs> no. her out. So I was like, why, why have you bid on these twigs? <laughs> why is this what it was you never did? pretended these weren't twigs? And then I got an email off the account from a friend of hers who had a device to measure the twigs and <laughs> was going to come round, and, and it said, like, it'll be nice to catch up with you, buddy. And I was like, oh, that's scary. Yeah, it's, yeah. Like, it's like looking around, people looking, and I think, are they, like, somebody apparently went in the pub asking for the twig man. And I, I don't know if that was as a tourist attraction <laughs> or if that was the guy. I thought, oh, I don't. I just, you don't need that sort then, of thing. Then eBay were charging me for the commission of the sale. And, and to, to be honest, at the time, I'd also put an unscratched scratch card on. And a friend had told me that I'd got negative feedback, thinking it was for the twigs. It turned out. It's because the man who'd bought an unscratched scratch card off me for four pounds had complained because I hadn't sent it, but it's because he hadn't paid for it. But then again, when I got in touch with him, he was like, "Oh yeah, I wasn't. I thought it was a joke, but I still thought you were going to send it. Uh, why would I send you a scratch card <laughs> for free? For free? Why did you bid on it? If they, it's like this went on for a while, and then I thought I'm going to have to get." Get I've got off. I've got a list of some other stuff that you've sold or attempted to sell on eBay. Yeah, an emergency match. That, yeah, that's, that's sold. One. That's sold, isn't it? Yeah, because you got positive feedback on that. Well, they're like, great. I if there's a blackout, like... I've got a match. That's How sold, much does that sell for? Like ninety nine p. Still though, it's one just match. a box of one match. Yeah, yeah. that's all right. <laughs> um, storage space on your bookshelf. Yeah, that's a good. That, that's to, that's going to turn into something else because I, I seem to now be. Storing a load of books on like Japanese sexual history and a gollywog. Right. For wow. £1.34, but I said <laughs> I'd do it. I got a call. Yeah, you can't refuse what they want. No, and right. let's just see where it 
Yeah, bought, yeah. Bought, I mean, it's already good, isn't it? Yeah. It's like, In that it's bad. I got like it was through a friend, like it was a friend of a friend. So they they um they actually called me to, to like and sound quite nervous to make sure if it was okay. It's like I've got this. This is what I want to do because I was right. just impressed you took it seriously because <laughs> it sold for one pound thirty seven. It's just like space this big on a bookshop. Yeah, that's good value, I reckon. I mean, he said it was. He was willing to go for a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> but nobody really went for it. And Buy so, it it's now. like story space in London, I thought, would, would go. <laughs> I'm, I'm reliable. It's um, still there. A stamped envelope? Yeah. Did that sell? Yeah. How much? Not much. Okay. <laughs> Less <laughs> than a stamped envelope. Uh, a lucky oh. coin? Yeah, sold out for about three quid. Your lucky coin? Or a lucky coin that someone else... Did you determine I, it was I lucky did, or had I it been lucky for you? I decided it was going to be lucky. Good, good. <laughs> <laughs> um, a bag of ice, which was collection only. Oh, that didn't... That didn't... Yeah, that didn't... That didn't that didn't they, they That's when I was clutching at straws by this point. <laughs> <laughs> the best one was like I sold a, like, the rights to a TV show idea. That's right, yeah, yeah. About... Um, Honk? Honk, yeah. about a horny monk detective. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, that, you anyway, sold the rights? Yeah, £27. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Keep an eye out. Um, Could be out. And so he's allowed to do what he wants with it. But <laughs> at, at the moment, he hasn't done anything. <laughs> but it is. And I, 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 they were the good days. That's when it was like... My favourite one of yours, and again, it was something that I saw through Facebook. I, I'm probably going to details what I'm doing. Feel free to jump in. You went to the supermarket. You bought some shopping. The till managed to get very confused about a multi-buy thing you were doing or a meal deal. Mm. So you bought a bottle of wine and you got a main course and a dessert for like a pound or something. Yes. Yes. That yeah. And you kept the receipt. Yeah. And then you put it on eBay. <laughs> and you sold it as the narrative of, of one man beating the system, <laughs> which I loved. I was a huge fan of the, of everything about it. The value and that you're getting. You're buying the story. You're buying you the story. You can, you can tell that story. You got receipt evidence. Exactly. Look what yeah. happened to me. <laughs> I had the last four digits. You can't remember. Don't worry about that. Yeah. Also, my favorite. You posted on Facebook with a story, and you named Tesco as the supermarket. Mm. So one of your mates in the comments underneath said well done now I'm getting loads of Tesco ads turning up on the side of my uh, Facebook page oh, no. and then you wrote underneath look I'm just trying to make a living <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was the perfect response you yeah. know this is uh, how much did that go for in it oh not a lot none of these things sold for a lot they just sort of but I mean you know more than you know your standard Supermarket receipt goes for I Yeah, I don't, I don't know what one of those goes for now, but what's the going rate on supermarket receipts? Twelve p. Maybe it's, everything's sort of roughly sold for a pound. It's a bit of a hassle to post. <laughs> Handwritten lyrics to the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Oh yeah, that was the first one. Is that the first one? Yeah, that was the first. And I think because and that, that sold. Yeah, for like thirteen pounds for this guy. <laughs> um, I can't make it any more clear that then, I've written this, and Wilson and, has nothing and, to and do with like, it. And it's like apparently it's in the downstairs of the Haggerston pub because it was a, one of the managers from there. And then they pointed out to me, like I don't really know them, but they pointed out to me that they're, they're, they're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> somewhere, somewhere, I've either missed the verse or they're just not in the not, right order. They're not or in the right order. I'm not a good rapper. I, was like, I wasn't. I wasn't doing it for memory. Though I was copying it. <laughs> I clearly got my source wrong. But, yeah, they're, they're, you watched the wrong YouTube video. Yeah, they're shoddy products. I'm sorry. But the thing is, imagine you do it again with the right lyrics. It's got to be twenty quid, isn't it? No, you think like that. Yeah, it, just, <laughs> it doesn't work. It's no, it works. It's not. It, uh... it doesn't work. And then there's a lot of this eBay stuff going. Every, I, feel, I feel like everything I tried to do had some kind of point, and it was trying to sell things that already exist and have a value, and trying to make them somehow have a larger value without even trying to sell them. 
Whereas there's a lot of things on there now, and you see all these things like that. Kids, I mean, I get a bit jealous because I that, like teenager who's just did he sell for like five grand? It's like, like prawn cocktail? No, uh, potato salad. Potato salad? Oh no, that happened. That yeah, was that really happens. annoying. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then there was the kid that he's been selling like sweets and like he's been operating as a independent tuck shop at school. That's right. Yeah. And he sold like a signed Lucasay bottle apparently for four grand. But you know they're not. I bet you no one's actually paid for that. <laughs> I, I know how this works. It's just a story. And then I feel like somehow responsible for all this time wasting. Another project you're doing, again, moving into another media. Everything is going to be okay? Yeah. Is that still ongoing? Yeah. It's, it's, it's quite weird. It is, but I think it's quite nice. You, if, again, if you want to explain to people, because I've got, I think we can possibly get these fine people involved. Oh, yeah. Can you help yeah. me do that? Yeah, I think so, yeah. <laughs> if you outline what it is. I... Like, again, it's like, at art school, this is like, this is going back a long time, but it's like, I was making a video called Everyone Keeps Telling Me Everything's Gonna Be Okay, where I just collected people saying everything's gonna be okay. Just thinking that if I get this endless sort of seem of reassurance, it'll just deem itself meaningless anyway. It's just like, so I had, like, I've lost that. I'm, I'm still, I mean, I haven't lost it. It's somewhere in the house, but it's on VHS and I have to convert it. But I've got, like, nine minutes of footage of... Just that message. Just, and recently, I tried to do it again, using just people like emails and stuff, just like and phones and collecting more, just to like possibly try and make a website or something with this endless seam of reassurance that you could just upload. And it, you just click onto it and instantly be reassured. Yeah, I mean, I don't I, until you've got a lot of them, you don't really know how it's gonna work. But um, it is very weird getting like emails of people randomly that are just videos of them in their flat saying everything's going to be okay and go alright I forgot I <laughs> <laughs> the first time the first time one actually said it was like I forgot that I'd actually posted to do that and it's just like it kind of it's quite personal yeah, yeah. somehow it makes it like there's something about yeah I don't know because it is really direct there's a Vito yeah, yeah. Conchi like video from from years back, there's now weird on YouTube where he's trying to chat you up by just staring in the camera, and it's like just the seventies and like videos and new art, and it's got that strange intimacy even yeah, in the screens. Yeah. And it's like sometimes it freaks me out, but and I I sort of go in and out of trying to get it done. At some point, I'd like to do it properly so that I can actually make it a thing. If we're up for it now, if on free, we all say everything's going to be okay. Would that work? whole room full of people doing it or does that work. move the I intimacy know. I don't think about it. I can work Should we it. Do, let's do it and okay. you can decide if you're going to use it alright okay so everything is going to be okay is that what we're saying yeah. okay so after three one two three everything <laughs> is going to be okay there you go you're part of an art project <laughs> possibly who knows possibly I don't want to disappoint four years time you're like I just need another 17 hours of uh, people saying it and then we're good but if you want to do an individual riff at the end do feel free to come up and um, find us and I think this sort of brings me back to the point I wanted to make at the start about your work having an underlying message I mean I've got a, a wonderful quote from you from an interview it's, it's alright it's good it's not, nothing bad <laughs> I remember when I did the interview. Was it? Oh, I remember. No, no. Yeah. Um, and you said, uh, I studied fine art at Central St. Mines years ago, and I always felt that wherever the work I did would tie in the music, the videos, the installation stuff, it all linked together because ultimately it's autobiographical. One form feeds the other. I'm not meaning to sound like I want to call it art and pretend it's anything more than trying to make boredom and panic funny, at least for others. And I do feel there's this underlying thing in your work where 
it okay. sort of embraces the absurdity and a lot of the anxiety of the yeah. modern world and sort of taking things that are there and making them funny for us. And I think there's huge value in that. Is that and you were saying earlier, you know, you do a lot of things, it's only afterwards you sort of realise that there's any sort of pattern to it. And that's the pattern I discern from it, the sort of embracing of absurdity and, and making things... Yeah. No, I, I, I get a kick out of that, and I like... You know, the, the, it's just a shame that, like, everything's been replaced with that sort of disgusting need for, like, likes and right. shares. Because because as much as... It's the only pl- it's kind of like the only place it exists. Everything you got is for Facebook. Yes, yeah, and, absolutely. But I sometimes I think, oh, this isn't good. But, but I'm also sort of a mercy to, like, operating in that world. So everything's kind of... I don't know what's the word. Nothing. It's like it would be nice to make something that feels like that's why comics are nice because they they exist. And things and like when that. you do physical things, like with as you say with Roadhouse, yeah. you've done such a beautiful job of making this hardback book. Yeah, thank you. So it's important. So it's, it's going to be important for you that if I something is going to be physical, it's going to be nice as well. I think it's always important to sort of have some sort of dialogue that's like pen and paper. I try and not forget that, but it's like I know that I do that kind of for myself. And to stay in that world, but I know that it's like it turns out if you put some sticks on the internet, that's what's really going to get people going. <laughs> but it's important to just be able to still communicate. So I remember you saying to me when Clarks and things sort of went viral as well, didn't it? And mm. ended up on Time Out and was it Time Out? Loads of places. Well, we've got this Guardian thing, yeah. Buzzfeed, yeah, thing. So and suddenly so, you were getting a lot of a lot more traffic to your website and selling a lot more things, uh, yeah. generally. So it does sort of. I guess it's annoying for you that it does take something like that to sort of feed into the other work as well. Maybe, you know, that's quite exciting as well. I'm sure it was the same. I think, like, bands and things, that their, their big hits are probably the least favourite songs they've ever done. It's, <laughs> like, it's just the way it, it is. But, um, no, I, 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 I guess everything's always had a bit of, like, I guess with comics, it's like, quite like, because there's an alter ego. Although my alter ego seems to be, like, a slightly worse version of my actual self. It's like I haven't really exploited that. But it's nice to try and be honest while pretending you're sort of someone else. Thank you, Babak. Oh, thank you very much. Process is part of the Holdfast Network. Go to holdfastnetwork.com for other podcasts you might enjoy.